You are now listening to the Way to Go Youth Podcast with Pastor Jerome Baker. This podcast is an outreach of a place of refuge church located in Carrollton, Georgia, where the pastor is Bishop Barry Walker. Our vision is to help youth and young adults to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's word. Now, let's receive Pastor Baker with today's message. You are listening to The Way to Go. Let's give God another hand clap of praise. Got a little feedback. A little feedback. <laughs> if you notice in Numbers 14 and 24, the main character of discussion and learning is Caleb. The main character of our learning on this morning is going to be Caleb. Caleb, young people, and his story, his testimony should be familiar to you, especially as a teenager or a young adult. When you consider Caleb's story in the scripture, it reveals, notice, truths that can enhance a person's character and it will reveal secrets that will help you to obtain your personal goals as well as the promises of God. Those are reasons why Caleb's story is so awesome. Again, his, his legacy will give us truths to help us build better character. And his story will reveal secrets that will help us to gain our godly inheritance. And understand, when you talk about the promises of God, even in this verse, it uses the word inherit. God has an inheritance for his children. If you are born again and spirit-filled, God has some things for you while you're here on this earth and when you leave this earth. It's your and my in inheritance. And so before I deal with the meat of the verse, I want to give us a little bit more understanding of who Caleb is. And let's remember, as we learn about Caleb, we should see qualities in his life, and we should also apply them in, in our life. Number one, Caleb, according to our main verse here in Numbers 14 and 24, Caleb was a servant. In truth, God identified Caleb as his servant. He said, but my servant, Caleb. Say that with me. Caleb was a servant. When it comes to being a Christian, we need to be God's servant. Some churches, young people, you'll hear volunteer, but we're not volunteers. No, we have been bought with a price, and therefore we should glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are his. So because God has done great things for me, it should compel me to want to serve him. 
Whatever you want to do with my life, Lord, here I am. You are Lord. You are master, and I am your, your servant. A servant has many definitions, but I want you to remember this one and apply it to your life. A servant is a devoted worshiper of God. A servant is a devoted, a loyal, a committed worshiper of God. Does not mean you're going to be flawless or without error, but you and I should be committed. Paul said, in him I live, I move, and I have my being. Without him, Jesus said, we are nothing, and we can do nothing. And so we got to remember and strive to be devoted to him. Strive to be loyal to God, no matter what others do or how you may feel. Even Jesus said, look, I'm looking for commitment. I'm looking for devotion. If you're going to follow me, the first thing you need to do is deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me every single day. God wants commitment. When you look at your prayer life, are you devoted? When you look at your lifestyle, are you devoted? We don't want to be saying with our mouth that we are worshipers but we're not truly devoted. Wouldn't it be a mess to come before God after death in judgment and the Lord say, depart from me. I never knew you because you worked iniquity. You practiced sin. And so we need to strive, young folk, to be devoted worshipers. Check this out. In the church and what? Outside the church. And see, when you and I are devoted to God, you're going to bear some good fruit. When you and I are devoted to God, you're going to bear some good fruit. People will be able to look at your life and see or behold that you are new. They'll be able to look in your life and see that your works are glorifying God. And that's what we want, young folk. We want to bear good fruit. I don't want to be saying I'm one thing out of my mouth, but then God looks at my lifestyle and sees something else. I don't want to be saying I'm holy, but my lifestyle be saying I'm whorish. I don't want to be saying I'm righteous with my mouth, but my choices say I'm ratchet. Look at somebody and say, it got to line up. And for some of us, that means we're going to have to put in a little bit more work. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to put in a little bit more work so, so your lifestyle can line up with what you've been saying. One writer in the New Testament said we need to work out our own soul salvation or our soul salvation with fear and trembling. Look at somebody say, you got to work it out. Yeah, you don't want to be known by saying one thing, but doing something else. The Bible calls that person a hypocrite. And so we want to strive 
to be a devoted worshiper. Well, how do you know when a person is devoted? When they're worshiping God or they're devoted to God in spirit and in, and in truth. I got to make sure that I am loyal to my God. Even when I mess up, I get it right. I want to be found loyal to my God. Now, taking it further, as a servant, especially young people, when we consider Caleb, he was known for two particular things as the Lord's servant. Number one, Caleb was known for celebrating his God. Caleb was known as celebrating or a young man that celebrated his God. The Bible says in Numbers 13 and 6 that Caleb was from the tribe or the house of Judah. Judah means to celebrate. Judah were folk that believed in getting their praise on. And, and, and I can conclude there's no way that you can say that you are a true servant of God and you don't have a celebratory attitude. There's no way you can claim according to the scripture that you are serving the true and living God and you don't give your God some praise in the sanctuary. You don't give your God some praise in the congregation. And, and, and I need to pause for the calls right now and ask, do we have anybody in here that got a praise or celebration on the inside? No matter what you go through, young folk, you need to be known for giving God the praise. Well, I'm quiet, but, but you need to learn how to give God the praise according to the Bible with your quiet self. Because the Bible requires us to make a joyful noise. The Bible requires us to lift up the name of Jesus with a hand clap, with some leaps. You got to be known for celebrating. You don't just want to be known for being a cheerleader, a football player, or an athlete. You should want to be known for one of them young folk that will get their praise on. Whether it's a fine girl on the row or not, you'll still get your praise on. Whether it's a young man with a fresh hair doing some nice smelling cologne, you still will get your praise on. And let me tell you something. I'm looking for young folk that ain't waiting on the preacher to get their praise on. You ain't waiting for nobody else to stir you up. You can look in your own life and say, God has been good to me. God has been merciful to me. And if there's anybody that's going to give God the praise, it's me. I said, it's me. If anybody is going to lift up the name of Jesus, it's me. Am I talking about any trendsetters in here? I'm not saying you perfect, but do you have a praise, young folk? Can you make somebody feel uncomfortable? Can you change the atmosphere? Can you disturb some demons? What can you do with your praise? Caleb was known for celebrating. Somebody shout celebrating. Secondly, as a servant, Caleb, in our verse, the Bible says he, he fully followed the Lord. What did Caleb do? He fully followed who? In other words, as a servant, 
Caleb was sold out. Caleb had a sold out lifestyle. And you know if God knew it, the folk in his day knew it. My question is, do God know that you sold out for him? And number two, what about your peers? Do they know that you are a genuine child of God? Do they know down at the college in your dormitory that you are a genuine Christian? You believe in prayer. You believe in going to church and receiving the word. You believe in tithe and offering. You believe in the Bible. See, it's time out for hiding who you are. The Bible said we don't need to be ashamed. Matter of fact, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Is something wrong if you're saying you're Christian, but you are not really sold out? Now, you may not be on the level of someone more mature, but as a young person, your lifestyle should show that you're representing Christ to the fullest. Your lifestyle should show, hey, you know why I don't smoke weed? I'm saved. You know why I don't hoe? I'm, I'm saved. You know why I don't cuss? I'm I'm saved. You know why I don't listen to little baby? I'm, I'm saved. You know why I don't dance when Drake come on? I'm, I'm saved. Look at somebody and say, are you sold out? Yeah, you, you, you got to have a sold out lifestyle, young folk. We don't need to just know you as, uh, as someone who loves the Lord in this church. But when you leave this church, that reputation should follow you. It should follow you. People should see that you're striving to do better. You're striving to, to get better. It's an old saying, those that know better, what do they do? They do better. And, and, and though the transformation and sanctification, young people, is not an overnight change, it should be progressive. I said it should be progressive progress. One thing we don't need to do is go back. God does not have pleasure in those who draw, draw back. You can't tell me it's something wrong when you were raised in church to live according to the Bible and then leave to go to school and you don't hang on to that? It's something wrong with that. God has no you need to be sold out while you at home or while you away at school. Tell somebody we got to have a sold out lifestyle. And these are qualities of a servant. You're going to celebrate your God and you're going to let your lifestyle demonstrate or prove that you love your Jesus. Finally, Caleb was not only a servant, but he set the standards for others in his day. Caleb set the standard for others in his day. When a person sets the standard, 
it says that they are a good example. The Bible says in Numbers 13 and 2 that Caleb was a leader among his peers. He set the standard. That's what a leader does. A leader sets the standard for others. A leader is a good pattern for others to mimic and to follow. And because there's nothing new under the sun, God still expects his young people to be leaders amongst their peers. And the Holy Spirit want me to put before some of us what type standard are you setting among your peers? Are you a leader amongst your peers? Or are you following them and doing sin? Are you a leader amongst your peers? Are you a real trendsetter? Do you blend in or do you set the trend? Caleb was cutting edge. Caleb set the standards for others in his day and time. Are you somebody that your sister at home can look up to? Are you somebody that your brother can look up to? What type standard are you setting? When the weed is passed around, are you hitting it because that's the standard? Or do they know not to even try you because you don't play that? When she tells you you can hit it and split it, what do you do? What do you do? Are you setting the standard and saying, look, it looked good. You know, I'm imagining it, but what type standard are you setting? When they bring the bottles of alcohol out, in your dormitory room. What are you doing? Are you letting them do it in your room? That's your room. Matter of fact, that's your half. What type standard are you setting? That's a good question for a house that calls themselves trendsetters. Because we can put it on the wall and we can put it on a t-shirt. But the question is, are you living up to your God-given identity? Caleb had it going on. He was a servant, and he set the standard. Are you telling me you're going to get tatted up because that's what everybody else is doing? Uh -huh. 
Are you telling me you're going to try to date a girl just because somebody else told you that's the way to go? What type standard? See, these are the type issues that we need to bring to the table. These are the type issues that young people are dealing with. And if the preacher don't stand on business, you'll have a congregation of compromisers. Caleb manifested what two traits? Servanthood and setting the what? Y'all saying it like this ain't no good teaching. I said, Caleb, he was a servant and he what? Set the standard. God has charged you as a trendsetter to be a servant and to set, set the standard. You can't bring that everybody else is doing it to God. No, you can't bring that because you have to make a choice for yourself. You can't bring that, I'm just following the crowd. That ain't going to work. And I want you to think about this. What I'm teaching in Caleb's day, he applied it while he was a young man. Somebody shout, young man. You can verify this in Joshua 14, 6, and 7. At the time we start hearing about the Lord revealing who Caleb was, at the time he was 40 years old. And I'm not going to even debate with you, but 40 is young. Yeah. Now, you may be in your 20s or as a teenager and think that's a long way, but you're going to look up in a few years, and you're going to be like, Lord. 40 is young. So it brings us to the key trait that we want to talk about and learn about in Romans or Numbers 14:24. The text says, My servant Caleb had a different spirit in him. What did Caleb have in him? Say it with some authority. He had a different. Caleb, young people, young adults, was not normal. He was peculiar. He was different or peculiar in the way he moved and in the way he carried himself. His level of maturity was on a different level than his peers. See, you can be young, young people, in age, but still have an advanced level of maturity. And that's what the Lord is calling for a place of refuge here in Carrollton. It, it, it's just been time to mature. You can be ahead of your time. We use terms like, you know what, she, she old or he's, he's young and she or he is young, but I can tell he got like an old soul. You know, he been hanging around some folk 
that's older and more mature. That's how we would say it in our day and time. And God not only admired Caleb for being different, that's what he wants for us. He wants us to have a different spirit. Spirit having to do with a person's attitude, mindset, and under and understanding. Your attitude has to do with your, or your spirit has to do with your attitude. Help me out. Mindset and your, and your understanding. He had a different spirit. And again, as I said earlier, when you consider Caleb's life, one thing that we can conclude that made him have a different spirit is that he was tough. He was a tough-spirited young man. And that's what the Lord has been teaching us for these last few weeks, giving us some toughness, giving us what we need in the day of opposition or trouble. Because either you're in something right now or one day you will be. You and I are going to face opposition. You're going to have goals, but there's going to be opposition. You're going to have dreams, but there's going to be opposition. God gives you purpose for your life, but there's going to be opposition. And so you got to be tough-spirited. You got to know how to deal with the issues of life. A tough-spirited person, as we have learned, is somebody who remains focused and happy and they have foresight. You know that tough times don't last always. And that's a good word for somebody right now that's going through some tough times. You got to have some foresight. It don't last always. You just need to tough it out. You, you just need to toughen up. You got to have a tough spirit to deal with life. Are you with me? Now, before I reveal Caleb's tough-spirited traits, let me just say this before I just really hit you with some stuff. It's beneficial to be tough-spirited. It's beneficial. Say that out loud. Say, it's beneficial to be tough-spirited. Yeah, it's beneficial. And if you learn what I'm teaching you today, it'll help your personal life. It'll help you when you get married. It'll help you in your career. It'll help you if you go off to school. It, it, it'll help you no matter what area of life. Being tough-spirited is a beneficial trait. Because nobody in this Christian walk that is mature is going to pity you. You have to learn how to live with the choices you make, and you have to learn how to deal with life as it comes your way. And folk that are busy, goal-oriented, and trying to stay in the will of God are not going to pity you. Hardship, young people, is a part 
It's a part of life. Just because your parents are preachers, that does not omit you from problems. Just because you come from money, that don't mean you're not going to have no, no problem. Everybody in here is common to life. So get over yourself and toughen up. Look at somebody say, get over yourself. Yeah. Why is this happening to me? Because you alive here on earth. And everybody got different things they're going to have to deal with. Your portion may be different from mine, but you and I both got that in common. We're going to have some trouble here on earth. You just got to toughen up. If you don't learn to listen to the people you need to listen to and you have some setbacks, look, that's your fault. That's your fault. You didn't listen. You didn't follow direction. And so now you're dealing with some tough things in life. Suck it up. And learn the lesson. I should have listened. And get over yourself and understand it's going to be all right. As long as you stay in the will of God, it's going to work out for your good. But I'll be the first to tell you, you ain't the only one that didn't listen to who you should have listened to. How many in here have found yourself in some mess because you didn't listen to who you should have listened to? Ain't no need to pout and crying about suck it up. That was your choice. Now you got to just tough it up. Learn something, then you can help the next person. Am I teaching right? Three traits and then we're going to be done. Three traits that made Caleb tough, spirited. We're going to pull from the text. Number one, when you are young and tough, spirited, what will give you the advantage over other young men and young women is if you do what Caleb did. Number one, Caleb believed his pastor's report. Young people, young adults, that's what's going to give you the advantage. You have to learn in the midst of what you go through in life, God gives shepherds to feed you with knowledge and understanding. God gives you shepherds to reveal his will for the near future and the distant future because the shepherd is the prophet of the local church. But you got to believe what God gives your shepherd. You're going to have a number of reports or messages, young people, that come your way. You have to learn whose report you should receive, and whose report you should reject. And when you make up in your mind to receive your shepherd's report, you're becoming tough in spirit. Because everything in this world is set up to fight against the word of God. But it's some good news Nothing can defeat the word. But your pastor is going to seek God for a word to help you to be successful and productive, but it's up to you to believe it. 
And it takes some toughness to believe what a prophet brings to the house. Tell somebody, believe your pastor's report. To believe on this morning means you got to grab a hold of. You got to grab a hold to the word that God is sending you. When I believe something, I grab a hold to it. When I believe something, I grab what? I grab a hope to it. I don't let anything take it from me. Jesus said when the word comes forward, that immediately Satan is going to try to take it out of your heart. So you got to grab it and hold on to it. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David grabbed a hope to the word. And let me prove to you that's what Caleb did. Are y'all still with me? Numbers 14 and 8. Look at this. In part says, now this is Caleb talking to his peers in his day. Notice the wording of this verse. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land flows, which flows with milk and honey. Look at it again. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Those four words, give it to us. Those four words that Caleb grabbed a hold to, they came from Moses, his pastor. God told Moses in verse 1 and 2, tell the people that I have a land that I'm going to give to them. Moses told them that. Caleb heard it, and he held on, he held on to it. That's what you have to do. A tough-spirited young person, when they hear that word, they don't let it slip. They hold on to it. Somebody shout, hold on to it. And see, this goes with Caleb's name because Caleb's name means dogged. Caleb's name means determined. Caleb was just like a pit bull that locks down on something and won't let it go. Just like a German shepherd that locks down on something and ain't going to let it go. You got to be the same way, young folk. You got to lock down or grab that word and don't let it go. You got to grab it and you got to hold on to it. Until God gives you your inheritance. And that's what Caleb did. Paul said it like this, and it just verifies my definition. Somebody shout verify. First Corinthians 15 and 2 says, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says a person that believes, they hold fast to the word that was preached. And see, it's too many of us in here, you good folk, but there's some of us in here, you hear the word, but you don't really grab a hold to it the way you should. Because if you can't remember the topic from last week, if you can't remember a point from last week, if you're not praying according to what you have been hearing, that's a sign that you aren't grabbing a hold to the word. But when you grab a hold to the word, young folk, you start thinking the word. You start 
talking the word and you start doing the word. You're not religious and just come to church. You grab a hold to that word and you say, I got to be tough. You got to say, I am tough. And then you got to start acting tough because you grabbing hold to that word. Problems come your way, but you say in your mind, I'm tougher than this because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Then you start talking the word. You start encouraging yourself. This ain't going to take me out. God didn't bring me this far to let me go but then you start doing the word you holding your head back putting your shoulders back and walking like you got the victory tell somebody grab a hold to the word Quit grabbing a hold to the latest dance. Quit grabbing a hold to the latest rap song and learn to grab a hold to the word What if God can get some of us as excited about the word as you are about playing a video game? What if God could get some of us excited the way you are excited about your cell phone? What if God could get some of us excited about how you are like with your girlfriend? What if he could get you that more excited about the things of God? See, Jesus said, if you hunger, young folk, and if you thirst, then you are blessed and you shall be filled. You got to grab a hold to the word. Tell somebody you got to grab a hold to the word. See, the first thing that should come out of you when you go through trouble is what you have heard from your pastor. The first thing that should come out of your mouth shouldn't be a complaint. It, it shouldn't be doubt. It shouldn't be unbelief. But if you have grabbed a hold to that word, what's in your heart should come out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the mouth, of the heart, the mouth, it speaks. Are y'all with me? You got to grab a hold to that word. You get in the car and mama asks you what you learned today. You done held on to it. You ain't err. Uh, you were like toughness. We talked about Caleb. Oh, that word is coming out of you. Tuesday, you come to TNT and pastor be like, what was the word Sunday? You ain't got to pull out your phone. You know it. It's in your heart and it's coming out your, out your mouth. Grab a hole to the report from your shepherd. And see, what's wonderful about it, young folk, when you really grab a hope to the report or the messages or the word, that's where your prosperity is. That's when God started doing things in your life that your eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. That's when God inclines his ear to answer your prayers. That's when God starts giving you or releasing your heart's desires. How can you say that, Pastor? Because if you believe his prophets, you shall prosper. God will take you beyond just getting birthday money. God will take you beyond just getting Christmas gifts. God will take you from beyond just getting a paycheck every two weeks. Then you'll start experiencing Jehovah Jireh. Then you'll start experiencing God doing things for you like he promised he would do. But he cannot go against his word. You got to grab a hold to the word and believe it. Somebody shout believe it. 
And I've learned this one thing about being in ministry this long. It's always at least one person in a church that's grabbing a hold to that word. It's always at least one person that's got made up in their mind. If God gonna do it, then I'm going to believe it. And I'm wondering where is that one person that's going through, but you still got in your spirit, I'm holding on to the promises of God because I know all of his promises are yes and a and amen. It takes something to stand on the word. And that's what Caleb did. He believed his pastor. Young people, God does not change. We need to believe our pastors. Number two. What made Caleb tough-spirited? He had boldness of faith. What did he have? Boldness of faith. Look at this. Now, many of you remember the story. The Lord told Moses, tell the folk, I got a land I'm going to give them. Send 12 spies over there. They went over to Canaan for 40 days, and, and he said, just check it out and see if indeed it's not like I said it was. And they checked it out and saw how wonderful it was, brought back proof, and they agreed that it's a good land. But then 10 of the spies, they came back with a complaint or an evil report. But Caleb got bold in the midst of the leaders meeting. It was a leaders meeting. He sent the 12 leaders over there or the spies over there. And then they came back and talked to Moses. And here you got 10 of the 12 leaders in the leaders meeting talking crazy. But then something rose up in Caleb. That boldness rose up in him. Notice Numbers 14, 9. He says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has what? Departed from them. And here it is. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb was bold. These spies went over to Canaan saw all of the good things, but came back with the bad on their mind. They went and saw the good, but they came back with the bad on their, on their mind. All they could see was the giants. And they said, look, these giants, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. But Caleb got some courage. He got some boldness. He said, hey, God is with us. The Lord is with us. When a person has boldness, they not only have courage, but they're proud in who God says they are and what they can do. Caleb said, look, God is with us. They're going to be our bread. And their protection is left. Ain't no need to fear them. Man, Caleb was talking some big talk. Look at somebody say, Caleb was talking big talk. Yeah, he was talking big talk. And all they had was giants on their land, on their mind. Now, check this out. Let me work with this. In the land of Canaan, the people that inhabited the land were known for being giants. Now, 
One of the p- groups of people that lived in Canaan were the Anaks or the Anakin. The Bible says that they grew to be as tall as cedar trees. This is what they were working with. Now, we like to talk about Goliath and how he was around nine, ten feet tall. But Goliath didn't have nothing on these long neck folk. These Anaks were up to 36 feet tall. 36 feet. Let's put this in perspective. The tallest player in the NBA right now, Boban Marjanovic. You see him on the commercial. State Farm commercial. And he dribbled, and he dribbled, and he dribbled, and he dribbled. That's him. Seven feet four. Seven feet four. Two of the tallest NBA's player, him and this other guy, Boyle Boyle, I think that's how you say his name. Bobo. Seven foot four. But in Caleb's day, these giants were as tall as cedar trees. What in the world would you do if you saw somebody coming at you as tall as a cedar tree? Some of y'all right now, hey, I'm out. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) Do you see how bold Caleb was? He's like, look, yeah, these giants in the land, but God is with us. They finna be our bread. They ain't got no protection. They were probably looking at him like he was crazy. But see, when you are a servant of the Lord, you got to know how to use your mouth aright. You got to know how to be bold when it comes to what you're trusting God to do. See, when we look in our day and time, most young folk, they think Drake, Takeoff, Quavo and Offset were the first ones to say walking and talking. But no, when you go to the Bible, Caleb was the originator. He was walking it and he was talking it. He was saying God can do it and then he walked it out and God did it. You just need to be like Caleb. Look at somebody and say you need to walk it and talk it. Some of you just need to catch on so you need to walk it and you need to talk it. God been on that. God been on walking and talking. You got to be bold, young folk. When you get around your peers, when you get by yourself and trouble is talking to you, you got to be bold enough to talk back to it. You got to let trouble and your crazy friends know that, look, I am of God and no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And God is going to open up the windows of heaven. Pour me out blessing. I have not room enough to receive. You got to be bold enough to walk it and talk it. Look at somebody and say, can you walk it and talk it? The boy was bold. One sign 
of the level of your mental toughness, young folk, and your maturity is how do you talk and walk around your peers? That's what we see if you got some toughness and maturity. What do you do when you get around your peers? How are you talking and how are you, how are you walking? Caleb talked big talk in front of his peers and he walked the walk. What are you doing? Do you talk, God talk in front of your peers and your trouble? And do you walk it out? That's going to reveal where you are in your toughness and your maturity. See this little pyramid graph I got up here? See, if you're a pushover, easily influenced, bottom line, you just worldly. You just worldly. Now you, you, you say, but you just, you just worldly. You got to grow. You got you to gotta grow. That may be a start, but don't let that be your, your finish. Are you a compromiser and a people pleaser? But you've been in church since Sunday school days? What does that say about your maturity? What does that say about your level of boldness? How are you talking and walking when you're away from your pastor, your church, and your parents? We got to get to that that pinnacle. We got to get to boldness and self-confidence. Some of us, you're there, but you're not as consistent as you should be. You go up and down this scale. But once we get to a place in God, we should never go down. We should remain consistent and elevate. Tell somebody, remain consistent and elevate. That's it. A tough, spirited young person don't care what folk got to say about them. And they trust God if they try something anyway. You know, Caleb was talking so bold in the next verse, the Bible says, and they began or thought to stone him. He was so bold around his friends, his peers, the Bible says they picked up stones and they was ready to stone him. See, your lifestyle should agitate folk. If folk feel too comfortable around you, what does that say about your level of boldness and maturity? What does that say if he can touch your thigh and it ain't no fight? What does that say about your boldness and your walk with God? What does that say if you just keep hanging around folk that you know don't want Jesus and don't even want to go to heaven? What does that say about you to where you won't speak up and be a light in a dark place? Even when you know the Bible says have no fellowship 
with the unfruitful works of darkness? What would people that poured into you, what would they say if they saw how you are living when they are not around? You got to be bold, young folk, to talk it and walk it, even if folk get agitated. And the Bible says in that same verse, when they thought to stone him, check this out. The Bible says, then the glory of the Lord showed up in the tabernacle of meeting. See, when you and I, our ways please God, the Bible says he'll even make our enemies our footstool. They were ready to kill him, but then the glory of the Lord showed up. They said, no, you can't touch. You can't touch my servant, Caleb. See, God looks out for folk that stand on his word. God backs up his young people that are bold in Christ. Number three, and I'm closing. What made Caleb tough-spirited is he knew how to take the back seat. Tell somebody, you got to know how to take a back seat. Taking the back seat is a phrase that suggests getting out the way or being patient. Caleb was believing God to do something in his life, but he had matured to where he said, you know what, Lord, if it's going to happen, you're going to have to do it. And get this, young people, as I close, it took some time. But Caleb didn't buck. Caleb just took a back seat and was patient and waited on his God. Now, you remember earlier, who remembers how old I said Caleb was when he came on the scene? He was 40 years old. When God finally gave him the land, look at what the Bible says, how much time went by. In my clothes, Joshua 1440, and now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This is him talking to Joshua. He says, now, behold, the Lord has kept me what? As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to my pastor Moses, while in Israel wandering in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, how old? 85 years old. God made him a specific promise when he was 40. He had to endure and tough it out 45 years. And then God gave him what he promised. Now, before you get upset, look, God may not do certain things in your life in 45 years. He may do it sooner than 45 years. But this is the key. As long as as he does it. He may do what you desire in five years. He may do it in five weeks, but this is the key. If he decides to take longer, we need to know how to take a back seat. However he wants to do it and whenever he wants to do it, when you're tough-spirited, you just say, Lord, have your way. 
But this is the key. I want you to pull out this one verse. Y'all still with me? I'm over time. But, but, but he says in this verse, before he reveals how long he waited on the Lord to do it, look at what he says in the first part of the verse. He says, and now be, behold, the Lord has kept me what? Alive. See, when you're patient, young folk, you recognize that God may not have done what you want, but he's been preserving you. He may not have done exactly what you want on your time schedule, but do you recognize how God has been blessing you anyway? He said, man, you know what? It's been 45 years, but God has been keeping me. He's been keeping me alive. And it's time for some of us to take the watch off, quit looking at the clock, and start giving God thanks for what he has done. And realize when he want to do what you want him to do, he going to do it when he want to do it. Just take a back seat, be patient, and just wait on him. The Bible says it's better to be of a patient spirit than to be of a proud spirit. You can look at other folk Instagram all you want and want it to happen like they got it and at their age, but God may have another plan. You got to learn how to take a back seat and say, hey, that's good for them. God, you know what's good for, for me. Take a back seat. Just be patient. Just be patient. Let the Lord have his way. Let patience have her perfect work. Paul said it like this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Y'all ought to help me read. And supplication. Here it is. With. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. While you're waiting, Lord, I thank you for my job. While you're waiting, Lord, I thank you for these clothes. While you're waiting, Lord, I thank you for this paycheck. While you're waiting, Lord, I may not have what was asked, but I thank you that I got something to put on the altar. I got a desire to do more, but until I get there, Lord, I say, I say thank you. I say thank And see, when you and I have that mindset, that's saying, Lord, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait on you. I done got to the point where I say, Lord, thank you for not killing me or not letting me kill myself by making a stupid mistake. It is you that's keeping me alive. And all I got to do is just stay in your will. All I got to do is be tough-spirited, and you're going to do what you promised me you would do. Young people, it's imperative that you have a tough spirit. Matter of fact, you got to be young and tough spirit. How many received a lesson on this morning? Amen. Let's stop right there and let's give our God a hand clap of praise. Oh, y'all clap like you love the Lord.